Uh, to each and every one of you. It is a joy to be back at Lighthouse Baptist Church, and thank you, Pastor Manning, for your kind invitation and for entrusting me with your pulpit. I appreciate that very much. I don't take that lightly, and I sure appreciate your pastor. He has uh, been a friend to me, and I enjoy being around him. We, we uh, talk about ministry and um, I enjoy that. He also likes to have fun. I enjoy that. Um, he loves the Lord. He loves God's Word. Amen. And it is uh, abundantly evident, church family, that he loves you. And so I uh, praise the Lord for him, his faithful testimony through the years, he and his family, and as well as um, what uh, is the Lord is doing here at Lighthouse Baptist Church. And so it's been, it's been great uh, to get to know you all. I also want to thank you, church family, for your warm welcome and making me feel right at home. Uh, thank you so much uh, for that. Uh, thank you, by the way, church family, for the comfortable accommodations, the great time of food and fellowship uh, that we had with uh, Pastor and uh, Mrs. Pastor, as well as the other missionaries that we had a great time of, uh, as well as the carpenters, we had a great time of food and fellowship tonight. And then thank you for the gift basket. Uh, now, I know Mrs. Manning put that together, but I want to thank you, church family, for that. Uh, that was a blessing. As soon as I saw it, it was, it was so big, I took a picture and sent it to my wife and son. And I was like, this is what you're missing. No, 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 no. So, but um, I, I really appreciate that so very, very much. And uh, it's been great to uh, get to know uh, Brother Bridges. And we have mutual friends, Brother Bridges and I, so I guess that makes us friends. And uh, Brother Genesis, we also have mutual friends. Uh, but I praise the Lord for First Bible and Very Precious Seed and Seed Line. I uh, appreciate all uh, that uh, that ministry has done through the years. And what a joy for you uh, to get in on that and to be a, a part of that all these many years. That's a huge blessing. And, um, and then this gentleman, Brother Genesis, uh, a church planning missionary in the Philippines. Um, I, I went on a missions trip once to the Philippines. And after that, I said to the Lord, if you ever call me into missions, I pray that it would be to the Philippines. I just love uh, the Filipino people, uh, the joy that they have. I love being around uh, Filipino Christians. Uh, they are an encouragement and a blessing uh, to me. Uh, I want to give you a quick 60-second uh, summary of my testimony if, if I'm meeting you for the first time, all right? Uh, as Pastor said, I pastored 15 years in Mount Vernon, Ohio. I went on a missions trip. One missions trip turned into six missions trips, and four of those missions trips were with the ministry we now serve with called Worldview Ministries, an independent Baptist scripture translation ministry focusing on the unreached people groups of the world. And as I was on these missions trips with Worldview Ministries, I was made aware of a statistic that has changed my life. Truly, it has turned my world upside down. And that statistic is this, that more than half of the languages of the world do not have a Bible. There are right around 7,000 languages in the world today. And of the 7,000 languages in the world today, almost 4,000, just under 4,000, do not have one verse of scripture in their language. And church family tonight, that broke my heart. I could not comprehend that. And God used that uh, to call me from pastor to missionary to serve with Worldview Ministries. It was one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do in ministry is resign from Mount Vernon Baptist. We just love our church family so much. 
And uh, yet it was what God had for us. It was all part of his perfect plan and his will. And so we took that leap of faith and God has blessed uh, these six years uh, tremendously. God receives all the glory, all the credit, uh, but he has met every need and taken care of us in such a great and special way. And so we praise the Lord for the privilege of serving with Worldview Ministries. If you have any questions about our ministry, we'd love to answer those uh, to the best of our ability. Uh, We have a table in the foyer. We'd love to see you, and uh, we might say some more about Worldview as we go along uh, throughout the week. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be a part of your missions revival. Uh, I was blessed. One of my best friends in all the world, he pastors in Columbus, Ohio, and I was scheduled uh, to preach for him tonight. Uh, He was going to be out of town, and he always uh, gives me that opportunity. But when he found out I had the opportunity to come and be a part of your missions revival, he got somebody else, and he was very, uh, very kind to to let me come and, and be a part of this. And so again, thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity. I believe wholeheartedly in missions and missions conferences and missions revivals. I'll give you a quick testimony, and then we'll, we'll turn to our text tonight. Uh, when I went to Mount Vernon Baptist Temple, we had about $10,000 a year coming out of our general fund to go to missions. And I didn't really know anything about faith promise or giving extra to missions or anything like that. I didn't grow up, grow up in a church like that. And so um, we had someone come, uh, a dear friend of mine came and he, he, he preached our very first missions conference. And he just encouraged our church family to just pray, simply pray about what God would have you to give above tithes and offerings to go to specifically for missions. And uh, I was a little nervous, Pastor. I must confess to you. I thought, well, what if our church family pledges or promises, you know, $5,000? You know, we just cut our missions program in half. What are we going to do there? And so I was a little concerned. And so anyway, uh, our church family for three days, it was a three-day conference, they just prayed. Uh, During the invitation, we would encourage folks to come and pray. Hey, how would God use you specifically, directly to give for the gospel going around the world. And that very first missions conference, uh, our little church family, um, through prayer, decided to give $42,000 to missions. And I'll tell you uh, what, uh, I, was, I was hooked. I really was. And, and what, was, what was it? Really, it was just asking a church family to, to get involved right. and to pray. Uh, none of us are exempt from the Great Commission. Correct. None of us are exempt from the uttermost. It doesn't say that we're to be witnesses uh, either in our Jerusalem or the uttermost. It says both and. We are all, myself included, responsible for the uttermost parts of the world. And how do we do that? Well, if God has not called us to go, he's called us to give so that others can go on our behalf. And my church family really got a hold of that. And uh, we, we just praise the Lord Uh, for the opportunity that we have in our country to give uh, to so many missionaries that are ready, willing, and able to go on our behalf to take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. And so I praise the Lord for that. I'm going to just give you uh, something to pray about in the next few days. I believe every church member, every attender of a Bible-believing church ought to be praying about certain things during a missions revival. First of all, I think that you as a church family should be praying about missionaries being sent forth out of your congregation. And so pray about that. 
Uh, maybe you already have. I don't know. I don't know the history of your church. But wouldn't it be awesome to have a half a dozen of, our, uh, of your young people surrender to the mission field where you could send them forth from this congregation and take the gospel all over the world? Uh, I also think that every member ought to be praying that your missions program goes forward. You certainly, uh, you know, it's one thing to stay the same. You certainly don't want it to go backwards, do you? And so uh, pray, uh, Lord, may we do more for missions in this upcoming year than we did the year before. I think that's an admirable prayer. I really do. And then I believe in order for those first two things to happen, we need to pray two things. We need to pray, Lord, how do you want me specifically to get involved with that? And then secondly, Lord, I want you to know I'm willing to go if you call me. Lord, do you want me to take the gospel around the world? Do you want to use me to be a missionary? And so we have a responsibility, don't we? And I think that uh, we ought to be praying that way. And we'll mention that as we go along here uh, in the week. Acts chapter 1 tonight, Acts chapter 1. Now, whenever a missionary says, turn to Acts chapter 1, what verse uh, are, are, do you know already that we're going to be looking at? That's right, verse number six. Uh, tricked you, didn't I? That wasn't very nice, was it? I, I set you up, totally set you up. We will look at verse number eight, I promise. Uh, but we're going to look, first of all, at verse number six. Um, I know the answer to the question I'm about to ask, but um, I'm going to ask it anyway. How um, can you remember a time that you were distracted? I, I think no doubt we could probably go around the sanctuary tonight and uh, give testimony after testimony after testimony of times in our life that we got distracted and possibly some of those stories, no doubt, would be somewhat comical. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about, all right? Uh, I, I remember uh, very specifically, I was in high school growing up in Plymouth, New Hampshire, and I was driving on my way to basketball practice uh, and um, I stopped at a convenience store to, to purchase a Gatorade. Um, assuming, you know, I'd been told that will help me be a better, you know, athlete. It, it didn't work. But anyway, I stopped and uh, I got myself a Gatorade. And as I'm coming out of the convenience store, I'm opening the Gatorade, taking a sip of it, and I get into the car. And as soon as I got into the car, I immediately had this thought. <laughs> someone has been, someone has been smoking in my car. Only to quickly realize I was not in my car. <laughs> I, it, was a, it was the same color as my car. It was almost in the same location as my car, but it was not my car. I was so thankful no one was sitting in the passenger seat. That could have gone downhill very quickly. But uh, I, just got, I just got distracted. Just got distracted. I, I have many stories uh, like that. If you get to know me, you'll, you'll figure that out. You'll be like, that doesn't surprise me at all. I remember when I was a pastor, I was in my office. It was a, it was a very busy day, and I received a phone call uh, from a lady who said that she was a senior citizen. And she said, um, Pastor Fennel, she said, I don't go to your church, but do you pray for people that don't go to your church? And I said, no, ma'am, I don't. No, I didn't say that. I, was just, I, I didn't say that. I said, well, sure, I, will, I would love to pray for you. And she said, well, actually, it's my husband. He's very, very sick. And would you come over uh, and pray for him? I said, I would be honored. She gave me the address. Uh, I drove uh, to the address. Uh, I went up to the door. I knocked on the door. A woman opened the door. I said, I'm Pastor Fennel. I'm here to pray for your husband. Now, the woman looked at me a little odd. Like, she was a little, uh, she looked at me like, you know, she was curious. And then she said, well, okay. 
follow me. And so I followed her into a back bedroom and there was a man lying on the bed and I said, I'm Pastor Fennel, I'm here to pray for you. I prayed for him and I shook, shook his hand and told him I'd be praying for him and I left. The next day, that lady that called me, she called me back and she said, Pastor Fennel, you never came to pray with my husband. You never came. I, I'm thinking, what? <laughs> I went back, I went to the wrong house. It was, I, I just got the address. I just wasn't paying attention. It was a busy day. I went to the house right next door. Now, what, is the, what are the odds that that lady, she, she had a husband that had the flu and, and was in a back room just laying there. And what just absolutely, asto- I'm astonished that I, I would just say, I'm Pastor Fennel. I'm here to pray for your husband. And she was like, okay. And she just let me in. So anyway, I think we all know what it's like to get distracted. Uh, my point in saying all of that is this. It's one thing to be distracted with something trivial, but how much more regarding the spiritual? It's much more serious to be distracted spiritually. Being distracted from spiritual priorities can deter us from fil- fulfilling our purpose in life. Being distracted from spiritual priorities can decrease our treasure in heaven. Being distracted from spiritual priorities can deplete us of our joy and our fulfillment and our peace on this side of heaven. For just a few minutes this evening, we want to look at a group of men for just a, for just a brief moment, they got distracted. So notice with me, if you will, Acts chapter one, and we'll begin reading in verse number four. The Bible says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father, which he uh, saith ye, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many, many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Notice the last part of verse number 6 where the disciples ask our Lord, They said this, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? For just a few minutes this evening, let's look at this truth from this text. Thy kingdom or my kingdom. Thy kingdom or my kingdom. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together. Father, we thank you for uh, this church, this church family, this pastor and his family. We're thankful for the bright light that is the Lighthouse Baptist Church, not only here in this community, but around the world, as it is evident, they have a heart for missions. Lord, I pray now that you would bless uh, this missions revival. I pray, Father, that you would use the power of your word tonight and the power of your spirit to do something spiritual in our midst. Father, we thank you that you include us and we have a part of your world plan. Father, thank you for using us. I pray you'll bless our time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we want to look at some men in our text who briefly got distracted. It's one thing to be distracted with something trivial. How much more the spiritual? The Bible has a lot to say about being distracted. 
The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, uh, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. But in verse 20, what does Jesus say? But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What's the significance of that? The significance of that is this, that treasures on earth, are you ready? Distract us from laying up treasure in heaven. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, I learned it when I was in Sunday school, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What's the significance? These things that are on the earth have a tendency of distracting us from doing what? Seeking first the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. We could go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Verse 2, set your affections on things above, not on things that are where? On the earth. What's the significance? Things of earth have a tendency of distracting us from setting our affections on things above. Again, we want to look at some men in our text who just for a moment got distracted. And we want to look at just two simple points tonight. If you're taking notes, I'll give you my outline. We want to look at, first of all, divine directive. And then secondly, we want to look at our daily distraction. We want to look at our divine directive and then our daily distraction. Before we look at being distracted spiritually, let's spend some time reminding each and every one of us of our divine directive, our purpose for being on this earth. Notice with me verse number eight. I told you we get there. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We know this, verse number eight. We call it the Great Commission. And five different times at five different locations, the Lord Jesus Christ gave the Great Commission. Now, when a truth is repeated in the scriptures, we need to take special note. But how much more when a command is given to you and I five different times? Why was the Great Commission repeated five times? Maybe, just maybe, it's important. Nowhere in the scripture is the Great Commission called the Great Commission, but I submit to you it is the greatest commission that has ever been given. Why? Well, I'm going to make a bold statement. I believe America needs to be reminded of this statement. There is only one reason why God has given us, I'm including myself, another year on this earth. There's only one reason why God gives us another month, another week, another day, yea, verily, another breath, and it is this, to fulfill the Great Commission, to obey the Great Commission. You and I exist to tell people about Jesus Christ. You and I exist to take the good news of the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, someone might say, Brother Bill, uh, that's not why I exist. I exist to bring glory to God. Okay, what does that mean? What does it mean to bring glory to God? Well, this is my idea of what it's about. To bring glory to God is when you and I as Christians reflect and reveal before a lost and dying world what? The moral attributes of God. We do that by acting like Christ, by manifesting Christ. 
So that the world, here it is, are you ready? Here's how it all works together. So that the world may see our good works and do what? In turn, glorify our Father in heaven. That is why we are here. Someone says, well, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I exist uh, because of my, my job. My, my, my job, that, that's, that's why I'm here. Your job, and I'm not trying to be argumentative, I'm trying to prove a point. Your job is to tell people about Jesus. Your profession is how you go about doing that. Don't get your job and your profession confused. We've already established we are all here on this earth. God gives us another breath. Why? To tell people about Christ, to reflect and reveal the, 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 the attributes of God so that they can also glorify God someday with their life. That's why we exist. And so uh, that is our reason for existence. Those are our marching orders. The divine directive has been given to us five different times, five different locations. That is why God says we are salt. That is why we are light. That is why we are ambassadors. That's why we are witnesses. What is a witness? It is someone that tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help them, God, about Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. That's why we exist. And because... The Great Commission is our reason for existence. It is our marching orders. It is God's will for each and every one of our lives. One day, we will give an account for what we did with the Great Commission. Obeying the Great Commission is my first job and highest responsibility. And so we will give an account for that. Many have this mentality about the Great Commission. Well, when I get really spiritual... I'll add the Great Commission to my list of things that I do. But I want to, you know, when I, get, when I get the Ten Commandments taken care of, when I get the Beatitudes taken care of, when I, when I get the fruit of the Spirit taken care of in my life, I'll add the Great Commission. But I want to remind you of this. We've already established it, but I want to remind you, obeying the Great Commission is not just one more rule for life. No, it is our one reason for existence. And there's a difference between the two. It's time, I believe, in America for the salt to get out of the salt shaker to do what salt does. I believe it's time in America for uh, you and I to, to go out into a dark world and turn the light on in people's eyes, more importantly, people's hearts. By the way, what good is it to come to church to get our spiritual batteries charged up if we don't go out into the world and turn the light on? What good is it? I believe it's time in America for you and I to get out of the safety deposit box of the church and put ourselves into circulation doing what Jesus has commanded us to do. It is why we exist. Observe with me point number one tonight, our divine directive. I believe with all of my heart that we as American believers need to get reacquainted with our marching orders. We need to get reacquainted with our divine directive. And that brings me to number two tonight, our daily distraction. Our daily distraction. Look at verse number six again. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now, what is this question all about? There's a lot of different texts that we could go to to 
to shed some light on what this question is all about, I'm going to ask you this evening just to turn with me to one. And then we'll be there for just a moment, and then we'll come back to Acts 1. So hold your place in Acts 1 and turn with me to Luke 19. Luke chapter 19. I think most of us here tonight are familiar with the phrase kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. John the Baptist began his earthly ministry with these words, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus began his earthly ministry with the same message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Bible says in Matthew 4, 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. We are told in the disciples' prayer in Matthew 6, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. We're familiar with that phrase, most of us. So when the disciples are asking this question, what is this all about? Notice with me Luke 19 and verse number 10. Luke 19, 10. Now, to set the context of this verse, Zacchaeus, the wee little man that he was, has just been saved, amen? He's been birthed from above, as someone once said. And right after this conversion takes place, Jesus makes a statement in verse number 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, I have a question. Why did Jesus say that? Well, we must keep reading to find the answer. Verse 11. And as they heard these things, he, Jesus, added and spake a parable. Why? Because he was nigh to Jerusalem. And because they, the disciples, thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. After the salvation of Zacchaeus, Jesus says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Why? Because he knows what his disciples are thinking, and they're thinking that the kingdom of God is about to appear immediately. They're thinking eschatology and the millennial reign of Christ. They knew their Bible well. Jesus had promised that in the Old Testament. But the problem is this, Jesus had not died yet. He had not been buried. He had not risen from the dead yet. And so while the the disciples are thinking eschatology, Jesus is speaking ecclesiastically. They're thinking end times. Jesus is thinking church age. They're thinking political. Oh, they were so tired of Rome. I would be too. Can you imagine paying taxes to two nations? They were tired of Rome and the oppression that they were given. And so they're thinking political. Jesus is speaking spiritual. They're thinking conquering king. Jesus is speaking suffering savior. While the truth was accurate, would they be given the land? Will they be given the land? Yes. The truth was accurate, but church family tonight, the timing was way off. They had a job to do. Something needed to happen first, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Before he comes as conquering king, he had to come as a suffering savior. And they couldn't have a kingdom without a king. And they couldn't have a king without the cross Mm. and his glorious resurrection. And so now we go back to Acts 1. And something has changed. 
What's, what has changed? Up from the grave he arose. Amen. Jesus has risen from the dead. That's good. And so now what are they thinking? I can almost hear them. You ask him. No, you ask him. Jesus, now is it time for you to set up your kingdom? They asked a good question. They had been promised the land. Jesus had risen. And so now is it time? And Jesus says, no, I have a job for you to do. You could call it a commission. You could even call it the great commission. But I have a task. I have a job for you to do. Now, here's what the disciples are thinking now. And I must confess, it is where a lot of us as believers fall. The disciples are thinking eternal rest. And Jesus says, earthly responsibility. You're thinking eternal rest while I have for you an earthly responsibility. Now, here's the point of the simple sermon tonight. If the disciples can get distracted, can I confess to you something? I can get distracted. Yes, sir. If the disciples could get distracted, we can get distracted. You and I have a choice every moment of every day of our life. And it is this. Are we going to make our life about the kingdom of God or the American dream? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm so thankful for America. I'm thankful for our freedoms. I'm thankful for the American dream. I'm thankful that if you want to take the risk and you want to sacrifice that you can become whatever you want to become in America. I love that. But you can't convince me that in many believers' lives, the American dream has distracted them from the kingdom of heaven. You and I have a choice every day, every moment of our lives, and it is this, the kingdom of God or our best life now. The kingdom of heaven or take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry, Luke chapter 12. We have a decision that we have to make every day of our life. Is it thy kingdom come or my kingdom come? It's It's a decision. It's a choice. What distracts us? What distracts you? What distracts me? I jotted down some things years ago as I was studying this portion of Scripture to help me discern where I stand with the kingdom of heaven and my best life now. By the way, if you're saved, this is not your best life. We have, we have heaven to look forward to for all eternity. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, until we take our first celestial breath in heaven, we're just going to groan until we, until we get there, right? Um, but what distracts us? How about some questions here tonight and then we'll wrap it up. Does the American dream distract from the kingdom? Does our profession distract us from our job? We already established our job. We all have the same job. Tell people about Jesus. Our profession is how we go about doing that. Uh, How about this? Does our family distract us from the family of God? Number four, does our country distract us from the kingdom? Now, I don't want to park here. I don't want to meddle too much. But there's a magic age. I don't know what the magic age is, Pastor. But I will will say this. My parents are at that age. And, And here's what I'm talking about. 
There is a magic age where all of a sudden you are tempted to watch the news all day and get angry. <laughs> my parents are there. That's where my parents, they watch the news all day and their blood pressure just goes up and up and up and up. And, 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 and listen, I love our country. Uh, my dad was in the military. My grandfather fought in two wars. I, I'm very patriotic. I love our country. I, I love uh, those even tonight who are putting their lives on the line for our freedoms. I praise the Lord for that. But listen, um, the kingdom of heaven is a lot more important than our country. It is. And, the, and by the way, I can say this here. I know I can. The GOP is not going to save our country. That's exactly right. G-O-D can save our country Amen. if we get right with him. Yeah, that's right. right. It's not the GOP. It's the gospel. If we, I, I say this. If we want to do something to help our country, let's grab some gospel tracts and go knock on doors and tell people about Jesus and invite them to church. That's good. So does our country distract us from the kingdom? How about this? Does treasure on earth distract us from treasure in heaven? Our checkbook reveals our love to the good book. For your treasure is there. There's, that, that is where your heart is also, the Bible says. Does a relationship with a person distract us from our relationship with our King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Does entertainment distract us from keeping the main thing the main thing? Does the fleeting happiness of entertainment distract us from the joy of serving Jesus? Does the temporal distract us from the eternal? In other words, in all that we do in a day, what is eternal? What really is going to last forever? That's good. Prayer will last. Bible reading will, will last. Serving others is eternal. Witnessing is eternal. Yes, Worshiping is eternal. Yes, Giving is eternal. Missions is eternal. And all that we do in a day, what is eternal? Does the security of heaven distract us from our purpose on earth? Or to put it in another way, does my kingdom distract from thy kingdom? Mm. Is it thy kingdom come or my kingdom come? We need to stay focused. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. By the way, look at verse number 11. Well, go back to verse 10. While they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven. The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Now there's a couple ways you can take that question. Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing? You could take it this way. Why are you down? Why are you discouraged? Jesus is victorious over sin and death and the devil. Amen. He's right. sending you the Holy Spirit. Why are you down? Another way you could take that is this. Not only why are you down, but secondly, why are you still here? You have a job to do. Exactly. And hallelujah, praise the Lord. By Acts chapter 17, they had literally turned the world upside down for the cause of Jesus Christ. They caught on quickly, didn't they? That's why I say in my introduction, they were just briefly distracted. And ultimately, they all gave their lives for the cause of Christ. In closing... David Zeisberger was a Moravian pastor and missionary among, among the Native Americans in the 13 colonies of, of the United States before it was, as we know, the United States of America. 
He was a German that came to Ohio and upstate New York to minister to Native Americans and tell them how to go to heaven. Around the Revolutionary War, the American troops found out that um, this David Zeisberger spoke German. And they were concerned about that because Britain was hiring Germans to help with their cause. And so David Zeisberger, someone that came from his land to our country to be a missionary and tell Native Americans about how to go to heaven and what Christ did for them, found himself at gunpoint surrounded by American troops. They asked him a very simple question. Why are you here? He replied, I'm here to build the kingdom. Their response, whose? Ours or England's? He replied, neither. I'm here to build the kingdom of heaven. Church family tonight, why are we here? That's good. Why are we here? Why are you here? Why has God given us another year, another month, another week, another day? Because he's given us a divine directive. And may we get on board. Let's not get distracted. If the disciples can get distracted... I can get distracted, and I must confess to you, I often get distracted. And if you're to be honest, you would have to admit that you're in the same boat. Yes, so may, may we keep the main thing the main thing. May we, may we live our lives. May we give our time, our talent, and our treasure all to further thy kingdom come, not my kingdom come. Amen. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we want to uh, just ask tonight... A few questions. You don't need to raise your hand. I just want to ask, maybe you're here tonight and the Lord has revealed some area of your life where you are not putting uh, the kingdom of heaven first. You're not putting God first. You're not seeking first the kingdom of heaven. You're not seeking first the kingdom of God. The things of the earth have distracted you from setting your affections on things above. Maybe treasures on earth have distracted from laying up treasures in heaven. I love that in a missions revival, missions conference, Christians make the decision to get their priorities in order. May God help us. May God help me. May God help you to listen to the Holy Spirit of God as he reveals areas of our life that we need to readjust, where we need to prioritize, where we need to take spiritual inventory, where we need to look inwardly and say, Lord, I know that that's not how you want it to be in my life. May God help us to to get our priorities in order. May we all be about thy kingdom come and not my kingdom come. And then I'll just say this during our time of invitation. I gave you some things to pray about during this missions revival. That missionaries would be sent out from Lighthouse Baptist Church. That your missions program would go forward. That you would ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to give to missions in the upcoming year? And Lord, I want you to know I'm still willing to do whatever you want me to do. Many of you here tonight, there's been a time in your life where you gave your life to the Lord. Can I say this? And I mean this as sincerely as I possibly can. A missions revival, a missions conference is a great time. Are you ready? Here it is. To remind the Lord you're still willing to do whatever he wants you to do. Would you do that tonight? Would you come as the Lord leads in your life and in your heart uh, to come and pray or pray right, right there where you are, however the Lord is leading. Would you stand as we pray? Father, we love you. Thank you for the privilege of studying your word tonight. Bless now our time of invitation. We know uh, based on the authority of your word that you are pleased. You are pleased with what is taking place in this next uh, couple weeks 
here at Lighthouse Baptist Church. And Lord, help us to align our lives to be a part of your perfect plan. Bless now our time of invitation in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed as the music begins to play, if God is speaking to your heart tonight, won't you come? Maybe it's just simply to come and pray about your missions program in your life. Maybe there's a young person here tonight that want, you want to give your life to the Lord or you want to surrender and just say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Maybe there's some husbands, some fathers that need to come and just say, you know, there's been some areas of our family that doesn't line up with thy kingdom come. We need to get some things straight. However the Lord is leading, won't you come during our time of invitation? We give you this opportunity.